BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. No, but there are some delicious recipes to be shared. That one (laughs) is for sure. So what are we covering today, Ahenia? We are covering the riot of Sierra Chica, a prison in Argentina, in the province of Buenos Aires, that during Holy Week of 1996... Is that how you say it? Holy Week? Yeah, Holy Week works. Okay, just a couple of days or a week before Easter, this prison was the stage for a a prison riot. Yes. That we have many in Argentina. I actually have a memory of watching one of those in Mm. Cordoba when I was very young. But this this riot, Mm -hmm. this mutiny, uh, would uh, become actually the longest and bloodiest of... Argentinian history, which is why we choose this as a as the subject for this uh, mm. new episode. Yes, Sierra Chica. It's located approximately twelve kilometers from Olavarria and three hundred and fifty kilometers at the southwest of the city of Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has an estimated population of. 5,000 inhabitants and 3,000 inmates. Mm. The penal number two is the maximum security security one and was built on 1881 by direct order of the former president of Argentina, Julio Argentina Roca, because he wanted to use it as a military uh, fortress Mm -hmm. during the desert conquest or Conquista del Desierto in Spanish, which was a military operation that the Argentinian state developed to try to basically take the south of Argentina from the indigenous and aboriginal First Nations that lived and they still live nowadays, even though thousands were murdered and even more thousands were enslaved in that. But that's a story for a different episode. Indeed. So, what's the shape 
of this uh, prison? It's what what type of prison? Well, it's is a it? panopticon. Yes, is that it, what is. it is. Yeah, so basically, it has the wings radiating out from a central tower, mm-hmm. which is the control unit, and each of the uh, the wings obviously houses different um, threat levels of prisoner, of prisoner mm-hmm. um, and different uh, you know administration areas and stuff like that are all centered around the actual central tower and the idea is you can have complete vision and security uh, and oversight of each of the eight wings from the central tower which you know makes it uh, makes it easier looking you know inside looking out rather than outside looking into a condensed mm-hmm. impenetrable unit so yeah that's how this was set apart and also once uh, once the riot kicked off that's how the uh, uh, the prison guards were effectively trapped in the center rather than on the outside firing in mm. so it all started because uh, 13 inmates had decided to escape from the prison mm-hmm. on Holy Week because allegedly the security measures were a bit more relaxed mm-hmm. during that time. Yes. So one of those prisoners was Marcelo Brandan Juarez, who got into um, an office mm-hmm. and solicited uh, to use the public telephone. That's when another of his accomplices got into the same office and using a gun that we later on discover that that gun was given to that inmate by its lawyer mm-hmm. on a visit. It seems like the, this inmate has all, had also an um, affair with his lawyer. So he mm. saw her in a Personal, intimate... Yeah. yeah, an intimate reunion. And he got a gun. Yeah. So that's how quickly they got um, four prison guards, mm-hmm. an arm. Uh, that's yep. how they got their guns. Mm-hmm. And four other... Meanwhile, in the backyard of the... Meanwhile, on the backyard of the prison, other inmates tried to escape by crawling the walls. But there was uh, another prison guard called uh, Walter Rivas, whom shot them. Mm-hmm. He... To be more precise, he injured in a leg one of the prisoners and he prevented them from jumping off from the prison. Mm. You know, a panic yep. quickly uh, spread, took, through. Uh, yeah. spread through the prison and actually another inmate was murdered by one of the prison guards. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the third so we have an original 13 group of prisoners. Mm-hmm. One of those was murdered by a prison guard. So we had 12 left, mm-hmm. the ones that were trying to escape. Um, because of the number, because they were 12, um, because the mutiny happened during Holy, Holy Week. Week, these 12 inmates, that they were more taking part in the riot, but these were the brains. Yep, the main 12 instigators that were left. They will be known as the Twelve Apostles. Mm-hmm. And their names were, well, Marcelo Brandan Juarez, whom we already mentioned. <clears throat> he was 28 years old and he had been in jail since he was 18 because of uh, several different robberies. Mm-hmm. He had also been in a juvenile when he was younger. He said in an interview with the prison um, 
the prison psychiatrist that he actually started when he was 15 and he was born and raised in a slum. So mm. he started he started stealing because he needed it. One of the other uh, leaders was Jorge Pedraza, who was 32 years old. Then we have Miguel Chiquito Acevedo, 24 years old. Hector Nanini, that had, um, had been convicted for nine years and a half for murder as well. We have Carlos Gorosito Ibáñez, who was 35 years old. Marcelo Pérez, 43 years old, who was convicted for robbing a bank. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Jaime Pérez Sosa, who was 26 years old. Víctor Esquivel, 36 years old. Oscar Olivera Sánchez, 25 years old. Carlos Villalba Macei, who had been in that, um, in that prison only for six months before the riot because of a robbery. Héctor Retamar, who had been convicted to life in prison for a homicide. And Marcelo Quiroga, who was 21 years old and he was also in prison because of several robberies mm. and uh, an injury. How do you say? So, these 12, the 12 apostles mm. were the main faces, but uh, quickly uh, a number of inmates also joined the riot, approximately uh, 1,500 yeah. started to riot as well, because we have to say, to be fair, that prisons in Argentina are not a good place. No. If they are supposedly made to rehabilitate a person, they don't do that mm -hmm. at all. It's more like they... Um... It's fairly bare-bones housing, mm -hmm. if anything. Exactly. Um, and would it be fair to say that occasionally, uh, if an inmate is able to bribe uh, a, prison a prison guard, that their family or... Uh, mistresses or uh, you know, extra luxuries are allowed to be freely brought in and allowed through security, or it's not that, not mm -hmm. that. It wasn't so hard. So yeah, we're yeah. going to see what sort of conflicts were in the prison, mm. aside from the failed escape. Mm. So at 10 p.m. of that same day, approximately, mm. the judge. Maria Mercedes Malere got inside the prison mm -hmm. uh, a com in the company of a secretary mm -hmm. to try to negotiate with uh, rioters and not surprisingly, they got her also as a hostage mm -hmm. and her companion. <clears throat> yep. it, should, it should also be pointed out that by this stage, there are about 13 prison guards and mm -hmm. several Jehovah's Witnesses who were in there mm -hmm. on, uh, I guess, humanitarian mm -hmm. grounds uh, had been taken hostage at this point as well. So there, there were already you know, over yes. a dozen uh, hostages. Yeah, so in total they got five, you know, 18 hostages. Yep. The 13 prison guards, the judge yep. and the secretary and three job witnesses that were just preaching around yeah. in the prison when they heard the they heard the gunshots mm. and the yes and the mess yeah so 
like I said, this wasn't the only prison that uh, had very bad uh, living conditions. Mm, mm. All prisons were like that. So shortly after, because it got to the news very easily, mm. this mutiny, especially because they got a judge mm. among the hostages. So uh, among other prisons around the province of Buenos Aires started to riot as well. Mm -hmm. So it says that between five... Thousand and ten thousand inmates mm. started to protest all around. So, I mean, the, some of the prisons listed are Azul, um, Bahia Blanca, Bahia Blanca, uh, Batan, 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 <laughs> yeah, Dolores, yeah, and La Plata, La Plata. and San Nicolas, San Nicolas, San La Nicolas. Plata. That's a nice city. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, families, the families of the hostages, prisoners, mm. journalists and politicians were starting to gather in front of Sierra Chica. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the rioters got actually to negotiate a little bit at the beginning. Mm. They exchanged two uh, police, uh, I mean prisoners Prison guards, that yeah. were injured. Mm for four other new hostages, because they were going to be nice enough, but they are not dumb. Mm. And one of the hostages that actually volunteered to get inside the prison was uh, Jorge Crawling, which is going to be important because he was a witness and he, had, he has given many interviews about mm. what happened in mm. the inside and what makes this riot so famous and so... Macabre. Mm. Macabre. 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 <laughs> Macabre. So bloody. Mm. So there was a very particular conflict inside the prison. Mm. So we had the 12 apostles. Mm -hmm. So they were a group and they were particularly violent or they were known to be particularly violent. But there was another group. According to the 12 apostles and other inmates that joined them, there was another group that were known as Arruinaguachos. So this is a word in Spanish. What it means, it's um, arruinar. Mm. It's to ruin or to mess around. And guacho, it's like a slang for children or boy. So basically what they said is that there was this group that they would ruin young boys. They would sexually abuse the younger or the weaker inmates, they would also even uh, extortion them. Mm. Extort so, them, yeah. So they would give them their... Threaten their families. Threaten their families, but, you know, they would get to abuse the families of the youngest inmates mm. because they would force them to yeah, yeah. have a reunion with them or whatever. They were also the snitches. Of the prison guards, mm -hmm. and they were able to carry around weapons. I mean, knives or mm -hmm. shifts. Shifts, yeah. Shifts in the prison. <clears throat> so, yeah, they weren't very loved. No. And I wouldn't be surprised. So this is the version of the 12 Apostles, but I wouldn't be surprised that such hierarchy are such, and such mm -hmm. violence uh, was possible in a prison. Mm. And the leader of this group, was uh, Agapito Lencinas, who was in jail with a... Life, with a li life with sentence. Life yeah. sentence mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. homicide. Mind you, when, uh, when the mutiny did kick off and things started getting serious, a lot of the uh, inmates 
holed up in well the the inmates who wanted nothing to do with the mutiny and wanted to stay well and truly out of mm-hmm. harm's way all holed up in the chapel and one of the uh prison's more notorious or infamous i should say uh members uh guests was there as well who was that well, there were actually two serial mm-hmm. killers, like serial killers in a more proper way, mm-hmm. uh, inside the prison. One of them was um, Carlos Robledo Puch, perhaps the most famous serial killer of Argentina. Mm-hmm. It's like it's him and Cadetano Santos Godino, whom was the first the subject of our first mm-hmm. episode. They are the two most famous. Mm-hmm. So Carlos Robledo Puch was in jail over uh, 11 counts of murder and several counts of rape and robbery. And Mm. he was nicknamed the Angel of Death or the Black Angel. Mm. So he was a tough cookie. Yeah. And he's still alive and he's still in prison. But odd enough, he didn't take part in the riot. Mm. What some witnesses said is that they saw him carrying a Bible running into the chapel. Mm. And there was another serial killer as well, whom is one of the very first. Raul González Igonet, who had been convicted in the 60s for the murder of three women. He Mm. was nicknamed the Madman of the Hammer because Mm. he allegedly, well, he claimed to be innocent, but he allegedly Mm. killed his victims with a hammer. He would break into these old ladies' houses, Mm. steal them. I think he abused some of them, mm-hmm. and he murdered at least three. So yeah, neither of them took part of the riot. They mm-hmm. just to yeah, they were ran ca- away to a chapel. Yeah, they they <coughs> sought uh, sanctuary in the chapel with you know again the snitches were known to uh, not take part in any of the active riots and stayed well away from the... Yeah, uh, but I don't know if Robledo was a snitch. I think... Oh, no, 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 but he he just didn't want to take part. I think that's where all the non-combatants, I guess you could say... So the 1st of April is when the real slaughter began. So remember, Agapito Lencinas was the leader of the Arena Huachos group, the group that would sexually abuse and that they were snitches of Mm. the guards. So one of the one of his gang members was murdered at the morning of the first of April. Mm-hmm. He was shot and stabbed to death. Yeah, and quickly, in a quickly succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in quick succession. Yeah, fairly quick succession. Mm-hmm. Other six inmates were murdered until the very the very one Agapito Lencinas mm. was. He was shot. Twice, according to Jorge Crawling, he was shot twice Mm. and also stabbed several times, even Mm. when he was already dead. And then he was beheaded. And then what happened? Well, they decided to have a nice bit of recreation, finally head outside, get some sun and play soccer with the... Football. Sorry? (laughs) Football, yeah. Um, Play football with the head... Of Agapito. Yes. It's also said that uh, a different group 
that mostly all of the people from Agapito's gang, mm. all those who were murdered, were also beheaded. And another witness, I think Jorge Crawling, also says that he saw them uh, playing golf with a head. Mm. So they really hated these people because for a person to desecrate a body, mm. I mean, to murder a person, of course. Yep. But also the, 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 the need to humiliate mm -hmm. this person even in death. Mm. So there was another member, I mean, another, another inmate that uh, nowadays he's still alive and free and he has a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And he is uh, Ariel Acuña, who was nicknamed El Gitano or the Gypsy. Mm -hmm. So he claimed uh, only to take part or only to take part of the riot because he was friends with Jorge Pedraza, but he just wanted to escape. Mm -hmm. And he says that at some point, well, everything started with a prison break, mm -hmm. and they ended up having a couple of bodies. Mm -hmm. So another inmate who was uh, known as King Kong, mm -hmm. who had worked in an abattoir, like the Australian mice said, mm -hmm. suggested that they might as well chop the bodies off and burn them in the bakery oven, which oven. got quite hot, about 700 degrees, so yeah. more than enough to, yeah, to incinerate the bodies and get rid of... Well, get rid of evidence and any lingering yeah. uh, contamination. But, uh, yeah, they decided to go one step further and um, extend an olive branch, although pretty messed up uh, cannibalistic olive branch, to the hold-up security guards. And that's when the cannibalism started. And that's when the cannibalism started. And some people deny, actually, that this happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, that uh, someone had the idea of making empanadas mm. with the meat of the... The butter. The, the rump. The rump of some of the inmates. Mm. There's another version that they made stew or they made a shepherd's pie. Mm. But Ariel Acuña is one of the inmates that uh, witnessed to have made the empanadas with his very own hands. Mm. Now, yeah, and the bodies, well, these empanadas were then served up to the guards who, well, by all reports, they were eaten and thought of quite delicious and even the meat was a little sweet. That it was sweet, exactly. Mm. So what one of the prison guards... Oscar Istarroalde uh, said in the, in the trial mm -hmm. of the riot that happened many years afterwards that they offered him some empanadas that uh, Miguel Acevedo, that prison, prisoner, gave him two and he waited until he ate one of them and he mm -hmm. was like, oh, so do you like it? And Oscar Istarroalde was like, yeah, it was really nice. It was sweet. And then Acevedo just laughed at his face and told him, you have just eaten a thief. Mm. Now you're going to be a better person. Mm. Because this, not only that they were snitches, that they were rapists, but they were like uh, petty crime thieves. Mm. Mm. So according to what, coming back to what I said, they say there is no honor among thieves. Mm. And there's quite some honor. Mm, mm, mm. Like people that do petty crime, they are not, yeah, they're not considered to be part of the 
I guess, uh, yeah, they're, they're not, they don't, um, they don't uh, fit into the same category uh, of hierarchy and aren't as, I guess, respected as some of the more hardened criminals committing some more serious crime. It's not as fancy as stealing a bank, for sure. No, definitely. That's top notch. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Some other prisoner, I mean, some other hostage s- uh, claimed to have heard the prisoners mm. said that they were eating uh, one of the other inmates, Jose Cepeda, mm. who was also from the gang of Agapito Lencina, and he actually, they were trying to make him mm. uh, chop a body off. Yep. And he, he didn't want to, he resisted, and that's why... He was murdered. Mm. But I think that's something that maybe the prisoners would do to scare the hostages. Mm. Mm. Because, I mean, cannibalism is a taboo. So it's something that is acceptable only in very few societies. Mm. And when people rely on cannibalism for survival stuff, I think there is a lot of shame. Mm. So I don't really think that they will be eating human meat and be so so joyous and, and about that well and bragging about it so openly like yeah. you said a, a, it, it's not like they were starving at that point Mm-mm. um no, they weren't the the kitchens from i mean accounts were... were stocked i mean they were at least they had plenty of flour and yeah they had some stuff dry store so like i'm trying to think like famous cases of cannibalism like i mm. don't know the donor party yeah the donor party the... or the uruguayan rugby team that exactly. got lost in the andes like they rely on cannibalism but when they were just skin and bone yeah it was a, an extreme extreme last resort of survival to cannibalize anyone so definitely not something they resorted to and then yeah were, you know, happy about it. It caused immense trauma and, uh, yeah, wasn't something... How does human meat taste? Well... Have you wondered that? <laughs> well, no, apparently like pork. Apparently uh, like pork uh, because long... we're very fatty, to yeah, be honest. But the flavour is, well, the you know, the nickname for, well, the euphemism for human, human meat. meat is long pork. So I shouldn't be laughing about this, but I think cannibalism yeah. it's weird and fascinating somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, some other time we're going to talk about some cannibalistic. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Well, we have the the, the man eater herself, Catherine mm. Knight. Mm, that's right. In Australia. That's it. Well, at least knows how to make a good curtain. <laughs> at least she knows how to skin. A long peak. Yeah, that's right. So, apparently there were four prison guards that had um, accidentally partake in this cannibalism. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they fed the meat to the prison guards because they didn't hurt the prison guards, but they were... They were still spiteful of them. They still wanted to, you know, injure them in some way. And I guess this is a non-violent way that they could they They made them eat the snitches Mm. so it's not only that snitches get stitches they got cooked so anyhow Mm. when i can say this afterwards so like you said the oven of the bakery was extremely high but Mm -hmm. not high enough to burn the thieves no the 
The teeth. Yeah. The teeth. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. The teeth of the thieves or mm. of the snitches. Mm. So afterwards, when an inquest was done, it was found that they were at least at least seven bodies were burned in the oven. So mm. and those words of Agapito Lencina, you know, the leader of this group. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free Free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Then Victor Gaitan Coronel. Luis Romero Alameda, Daniel Nice Escobar, Jose Cepeda Pérez, the, the inmate that we already mentioned, mm. Palom Polischuk, and Mario Barrio Nuevo Vega. So these were allegedly all part of the gang of Agapito. Mm. Going back to the timeline, on the 5th of April, the leaders, uh, the 12 apostles, got into the roof of one of the prison mm. and spoke to the press for the first time and that's when the historical picture that mm -hmm. I showed you yeah. was taken. Yes. <clears throat> Now it was quite amazing because of the panopticon mm. layout of the prison that they were able to almost um, approach the, well, stand on the outer edge of of one of the uh, wings of the building closest to where the press were assembled and actually be uh, openly visible and essentially yell at, or communicate with, with people on the outside or the press on the outside and that the press and everyone else for that matter could easily see in. Um, it, there wasn't a giant, a giant wall per se on the... Uh, Surrounding it, there were there was fencing and and um, you know security grill and mesh and stuff like that. But from the vantage point of the outside, looking you know looking into the prison, you, you they were easily visible. Um, as I said, it wasn't like there was a, a sort of a single couple of blocks mm -hmm. on the inside and high walls surrounding them. It was you know kind of the kind of the opposite. Um, so the the, the Prisoners and the twelve apostles were able to make their somewhat iconic uh, appearance. appearance. And if any if, if anyone's interested, so there are some magnificent uh, documentaries that are fairly easy to find on YouTube. Um, It, they don't have English. I mean, they have automatic English subtitles, but they yep. are very <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> even, even even so, it's quite fascinating. It, it helps you get an idea mm. of what the process was and how the media looks in Argentina, which they are pretty fucking hilarious somehow. Mm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know. So what were the 12 apostles asking for? At some point, they still wanted to escape. So they solicited oh, right. for cars and guns also. 
but uh, they were actually looking forward getting um, because you see there how do you say when a, a, a person is uh, it's in prison but as a preventive measure I would say well a preve- uh, preventive sentencing or preventive sentencing until they get uh, on a trial but you know that's mm. one of the things that fucking suck about the oh, prison in Argentina yeah. is that sometimes people are just years and years in prison without even getting a trial Mm. And I'm talking about uh, petty crime, for example. So nowadays it's more more like more than 50% of the population in prison. And I think it actually works similar in New Zealand. Mm. But they are just there waiting to get a sentence. Well, remanded in custody. Yeah, they are remanded in custody, but they are in prison already. So it's like they're getting their punishment, quote unquote, Mm. before... Before being on a proper trial, yep. so it's like mm, you are mm, really mm. guilty until proven innocent, True. and not innocent until mm. proven guilty. I mean, that's often when bail comes into it, or fairly strict, uh, you know, remanded, um, remanded on well, remanded on bail, or or remanded to home detention or something. But that's usually cases where the accused is thought to not be a risk to either flight, you know, leaving the country, or committing more crimes. So in some cases, it's decided that the the accused is too much of a risk to society to be able to remain in the community while they're being sentenced. Yeah, maybe. Or otherwise they'll go on the lam and it'll take a long time will take too much effort for the police to yep. find them again, or they just the bail is set at too high a uh, a, a, a number, and yeah. they just can't fill the bail, or no, you know, no bail bondsman will uh, meet it. Yeah, it's it's actually a thing to get more into deepness, but um, so what what they wanted um, mm. the twelve. Coming back to the Twelfth Apostle, is that they wanted to get this uh, law that already exists in Argentina, the law of two multiplied. Multiply, yeah. <laughs> two multiply one. So that would be that um, until getting a sentence, a prisoner, well, you know, when they, and you get your sentence, mm-hmm. and they should also take in consideration mm-hmm. all the time that they've been in jail. In oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where they deduct a time already served. Yes. They deduct the time already served. The time already served, exactly. That's what they want. And to be fair, you know, many of these people, like, they were, because they were, to be fair, that was also, they were really... Quite career criminals by that They have a career of criminals, but when you look at uh, the personal stories of each Mm -hmm. one, they just started with petty crime, being adolescents. Mm -hmm. And once you get into the prison, everything just turns worse and worse for them. I mean, Ariel Acuña, Mm -hmm. the the former apostle that is now a YouTuber, uh, well, it's uh, his very open about telling anecdotes about the prison. Mm. But he really says that the first time that he got in a prison was because he stole some stuff, some petty crime when when he was an adolescent. Mm. And when he got in prison, he had the option of joining the 
part of the prison mm -hmm. where all the Java witnesses were like all the proletizing the proletizing the hermanitos like the little brothers part mm -hmm. or he could choose to fight to death with another prisoner just mm -hmm. to prove that he was strong enough mm -hmm. and well he he really didn't choose to fight yeah someone, it was more like yeah. he someone had chose to fight. him yeah and he's very adamant in telling that mm -hmm. if you are fighting in prison you fight to death you yep. don't fight with your fist you're going to fight with a knife or yep. with a shift yeah and it's to death so he basically says okay so i got into prison for being a thief but i became a murderer mm. in prison we just cannot mention the massacre that it was done in the prison without mentioning how corrupt the system is because that's what i think it's fair yeah that's um, anyhow in the meantime there was also a pharmacy in the prison that mm. was uh, easily... Accessible once the... Mutiny started. Mutiny started. So not only they were fueled with anger towards other inmates or the prisoners, but mm. they got lots of legal drugs. Mm. And they were also making like a homemade beverage, alcoholic beverage, mm -hmm. which is called Pajarito. So they were really... They're really... Uh, yeah. On age. Yeah. That's our way of saying mm. it. They were pretty loaded by that stage. I think it's fair to say. But it was until only like eight days after mm -hmm. the mutiny started. Yep. Which was a good Sunday. Mm -hmm. This wasn't a coincidence. They wanted it to make it that way. Yeah. I think they were using the symbolism of of being in a mutiny in Holy Week. Mm. When they finally surrendered themselves, mm -hmm. Marcelo Brandan Juarez, um, I mean, there are records that he asked to see his mother mm -hmm. before, before he surrendered himself. But yeah. for whatever reason, she wasn't able to travel around that place. Mm. So some other inmate that was very tired... Mm -hmm of the process of the mutiny because in the mutiny other prisoners would start stealing mm. to other inmates or even it says that someone rape. So it wasn't really as organized as the 12 apostles wanted to make it look. Mm. But anyhow, one of the prisoners uh, convinced another prison guard that apparently had some other pills or legal drugs to give all of them to Brandon Juarez and trick him into getting very extremely high mm -hmm. so they could just stop him because his uh, Brandon Juarez nickname was Popo which means shit I don't know why mm. but his other nickname was Falopa which means drugs mm. like because he was yeah, a bit of an addict so that's when they finally surrendered themselves, and they were also running low on food and other sorts mm -hmm. of... Uh, yeah, and it's at this stage as well that the uh, uh, the penitentiary services mm -hmm. started uh, making a, an armed incursion into the, into the prison. Um, yeah. it, it was fairly slow going from some of the footage I've seen and, and after, you know... It was it was after about six hours that um, and you know that that pressure from the uh, from the from the guards from the assault guards and then the uh, and the tiredness and the tiredness and the hunger I think they decided to call it quits yeah and they also tried to do a tunnel 
outside. Mm, like yes. one of the um, <clears throat> one of the, the apostles that had like a long history of trying to escape from prison was the one that had the idea, mm. but they couldn't make it through uh, because the base of the prison is in in a granite. Yep, it's in a very mine. very hard stone. Yep. So yeah, they wouldn't make it. No. Uh, so they were taken to the Caseros Maximum Security Prison, from which they tried to escape again mm -hmm. six months afterwards. Mm. But this time the police just plainly beat the hell out of them. Mm -hmm. I think they didn't get the chance to get as many hostages or mm. they couldn't get to have a judge as a hostage. Mm. That's the thing with Sierra Chica. Mm. So on the 14th of April of 2000 mm -hmm. is when the trial from the mutine started and it was broadcast all around Argentina. Mm. Do you remember how the 12 apostles were kept? Yes, the... they had very open cages. It looked kind of like old zoos, you know, old Victorian English zoos used to yeah. look with the, uh, you know, big iron bars in a central square cage plonked in the middle of a concrete uh, concrete square and then every everyone around them mm -hmm. kind of just just gawking in and that's really how the 12 apostles were were tried again there were over like a hundred um, policemen and several canines also in the facilities because mm. that's how that's how scary they were Mm. And fair enough, many of the prison guards told about the stories of cannibalism mm. during the trial. <clears throat> In the meantime, Maria Mercedes Malere, the judge mm -hmm. that was taken as a hostage, uh, she claimed to have uh, she got a, she took a beating. Well, not a beating. She got punched by Miguel Angel Lavalos, one of the apostles. But that's all the violence she claimed to have received. Mm -hmm. I think they were smart enough to know that they shouldn't hurt her anymore. Mm. That would be, yeah. That, would, that be, would be very bad for them. Yeah. And so at the end, uh, Jorge Pedraza, Juan Murgia, Marcelo Brandon Juárez, Miguel Acevedo, Victor Esquivel, and Miguel Ángel Ruiz Dávalos were given the life sentence. Mm -hmm. Some other of the um, apostles were given 15 years in prison, 12, out, 12 years of prison, yep. and some mm. other inmates were absolved. Mm. So let's say there were 12 of them, the original group that started to fight, but mm -hmm. the ones that uh, joined the mutiny were many more. Mm -hmm. So nowadays, Jorge Pedraza who was later nicknamed as El Panadero or mm -hmm. The Baker yeah. <laughs> because of uh, the disposal of the bodies. Mm. He's still in jail in Ezeiza with five life sentences. Marcelo Brandon Juárez was uh, released somehow, mm -hmm. some other time uh, after he got in jail, mm -hmm. but he got caught again because he tried to kidnap Mm. Um, a businessman. No, he wasn't a businessman. He was more like a... Not a businessman. Like um, a guy that owned like a, a diaper factory. 
like the owner of the diaper factory. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcelo Brandon Juarez. A business that, owner. A business owner. Okay. Yeah. Yes, business owner. Yeah. Uh, meantime, Miguel Chiquito Acevedo, who was the one that was serving the empanadas, mm-hmm. uh, he was murdered in prison mm-hmm. for other, uh, in the hand of other inmates. Yeah. Juan Murgia is free nowadays and he works as a taxi driver in La Plata. Well, Ariel Acuña is the one that is the YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And, well, I've tried to track the lives of some other of them, but mm. I don't want to give too much Speculate, yeah. Speculate, and there's, like, some other that uh, was actually living in the streets and got murdered in mm-hmm. the streets, but it was actually, like, a repent apostle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, and this, and that. And yeah. um, you know how they called Jorge Crawling the prison guard? What was his nickname? What was his nickname? Kanguro. Kanguro, that's right. And you know what that means? I. What does that mean specifically in... Kangaroo. Kangaroo. I couldn't find why they nicknamed they like that. No. Kangaroo. Okay. Kanguro. Kangaroo. Kangura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost phonetically mm. the same. So, um, Jorge Crawling. Mm-hmm. Kanguro, Kangaroo, was he kept uh, working as a prison guard and he actually kept a souvenir from the mutiny. Oh. And what was it? Oh, that's a right. Knife. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, he he actually kept a shiv. Um, a 30 centimeter shiv. So it's fairly, fairly big uh, prison made weapon that, uh, yeah. That it was given to him by Marcelo Grandan Juarez. I mean, he just said that he found the shift and had a paper that said for kangaroo. Yep. Mm. Um, he keeps that as a war trophy. Mm-hmm. And he claimed that he never tried the meat empanadas mm. because he was Holy Week and he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. So, or Catholic. Yeah, Catholic. Yeah. So He wouldn't eat the... Uh, he wouldn't eat the no. meat well, that's what he says. That's what he says. Hopefully, I really hope. Yeah, that's something you don't want to have on your conscience. <laughs> and you don't want to have that on your tummy either. No. So he kept working and he was actually like good friends, quote mm. unquote, with Carlo Robledo Puch. Mm-hmm. Like they like to talk about the Second World War mm-hmm. and they like to discuss about how to end with crime or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kangaroo, he's quite a character. Mm-hmm. But some other of the prison guards were given, well, they were given medals. Mm-hmm. Yep, recognized for their yep. uh, part Ra- in the... Uh, for their bravery or for all the... Just keeping it together. Yeah, all the time. But most of them agree that they never receive any type of psychiatric mm. treatment after that. And they pretty much feel like they've been abandoned yep. by the state, mm-hmm. which... I am not surprised. Mm. And in a different uh, interview that was given that Carlos Robledo Puch, mm. let's remember the most famous serial mm-hmm. killer of Argentina, yep. maybe, he claimed that all the thing with the empanadas yep. and the football match with the human with the heads head yep. were lies. Mm. But can you really trust... Him, he has like a very fascinating story. It's like an almost uh, born to be a killer. Mm. And yeah, I mean, a narcissist yeah. doesn't really want any of the spotlight taken off them. 
And to be honest, he was holed up in the chapel, so yeah, I don't think he was privy to. Uh, I don't think those he really could see anything. No, I don't think so. So I think, yeah, he's just trying to downplay something that would take attention away from him. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, or he just likes to lie because that's the way he is. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. So that was. The mutiny of Sierra Chica, the longest and bloodiest of Argentinian mm. history. What are your thoughts on this heartwarming story? Well, yeah, this, like a, lo- a lot of, as you were saying, <laughs> as you were saying, a lot of the criminals started off from in pretty uh, destitute. Well, a lot of the criminals, a lot of the apostles started off in fairly downtrodden circumstances and like with a lot of criminals, uh, they start off in petty theft and then once they get into jail it becomes a bit of a survival academy and uh, things tend to exacerbate. They join, they're forced to join gangs for protection Mm -hmm. and or mutual protection and from there you know, the community develops and they become more hardened criminals on the outside because they're hard to get employed once you've got a criminal record. So, uh, you know, the only avenue left to pursue is crime and it just gets harder and harder uh, crime-wise and they spend longer and longer in prison once they're apprehended and, you know, once once they're sort of... uh, uh, accepted into that life. I don't want to say indoctrinated into that life, but um, it it you know does become a criminal's life, and it you know sometimes they, people are able to reform, um, but often, as was the case, a lot of these guys, even after the mutiny, the ones who did get out of jail ended up going back because uh, you know they. Had no, they felt they had no option, or just didn't want, didn't, yeah, didn't want to reform, even after they'd seen quite possibly the worst of prison, and ended up committing crimes, getting tried, going back. So you know the cycle never got mm-hmm. broken. Uh, prisons definitely didn't reform anyone in those circumstances. Yeah. Um. So you know, it just seems like there's there was no circuit breaker. And, you know, everyone gets, you know, they say everyone gets a choice, but the pressures that are put on someone to make various choices uh, is completely different. It's no choice exists in a vacuum. Yeah. There are pressures. Everyone has pressures on them when they have, have a choice presented to them. In the case of of a lot of criminals, they're stealing because they've got, you know, can't afford rent, can't afford food what have you so you know petty petty theft for you know an adolescent unfortunately is the uh, really the only option especially if there's no work and especially if you had no support to go to school get an education join the you know join the get mental the ladders. treatment well yeah and exactly get get you know mental and medical treatment yeah um i mean it looks like the violence escalated very quickly in the mutiny of mm-hmm. Sierra Chica, but in reality, it was just like a downroad spiral of mm-hmm. um, corruption and 
overpopulation mm. in the prison mm. yeah. and connection between some prison guards that they would turn the blind eye mm. on some other prisoners mm. abusing others or stealing others. Mm. And it was maybe waiting to happen. Mm. Mm. It turned out to be quite spectacular at some point. Yep. Yeah. But just to, you know, to, I guess, the 12 apostles and their particular, their their uh, their gang was kind of opposed to the to the guards in that they weren't you know they weren't the snitches mm-hmm. so the snitches obviously always get special protection they're allowed to carry their knives and shivs on them and presumably got some other special treatment and considerations from the guards whereas the uh, 12 apostles were not you know not extended those considerations and yeah obviously felt spite towards the guards hence why they fed them their 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 snitches the meat, their snitches exactly mm. and it wouldn't kill the prison guards also because once i mean they were going they were going to go back to jail after this mm-hmm. but i cannot imagine what sort of treatment uh, an inmate that had murdered a prison guard or a police might mm, get mm. from the other prison guards. I also think that that's why they didn't kill any of the policemen Mm-mm. because they would get a, a huge retaliation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that as well as having their, having, you know, the, uh, their, yeah, being charged with killing a police officer or, or a guard would send them to jail for for life, or you know, very 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 severe sentence. So yeah. if they were disciplined enough to, you know, rein yeah. in their rein in their action and contain it to just other prisoners, then they, you know, they'd they'd feel the brunt of the of the law slightly less than if it was, you know, a, a police or a security guard. Yeah, mm. for sure. Mm. Um, maybe that's why they choose to make food with the meat of the prisoners and give it mm-hmm. to the guards, perhaps, like, try to get away of humiliate them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically hurting them. And while the other bodies, I mean, uh, Jorge, crawling this prison guard, says, uh, describes a very... Macabre mm. scene in which uh, after being murdered, uh, after they murdered Agapito Lencina, mm. Lencinas, the leader mm. of the of the gang that would rape the other inmates, mm. that they kind of crucified him and they also took their guts out, right? took his eyes out and stick it in each nipple. And he also saw how some of the prisoners that were murdered, that Mm. They they got their tongues mm. cut out and then stick it in the walls with the pins. Right. So kind of a... Desecrating the bodies yep. in any way possible. Yep. And probably, a, you know, uh, I guess a you know, humiliating message to snitches as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That ends the saga of the Twelve Apostles. That was a long trip. Uh, very bloody. Trip. Very bloody, very macabre. Disem- disemboweled. Mm-hmm. Where can our fans 
find this? Well, basically, if you Google a history of evil men, you will find us on Spotify, on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Yep. And we have a Patreon page. Yes, if you'd like to drop a few dollars in. And otherwise, we will be back soon with a next instalment. And we'll leave you with the soothing tones of Steph Animal. Take care. Take care.